Welcome to the Get Down with Hurley Brown. This is a weekly series that showcases the world of sports with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. From the recruiters and players to the teams and coaches, we've got it all covered. Now, here's your host, Coach Hurley Brown. Voice America Nation, how's it going? It's your favorite uh, substitute host, the Nick Foles of the Internet, Kelvin Harris. Hopefully, Hurley will be able to join us today. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting he will. If not, I've got a friend of mine from Houston Radio coming in to uh, help me break down this first week of NFL football, this second week of college football, and we also want to touch on the U.S. Open because, <laughs> wow, that woman's final was interesting. But before we get started, we have to mention what today is. 17 years ago today, uh, I know where I was at. I remember I was going into uh, Continental Airlines in Houston, Texas, to uh, see my good friend Reggie Moore's mom, who was about to give me a buddy pass for a trip I had to take. And I got there, and there was a lot of a lot of movement going around, and um, the, they knew me up there, and so everything was kind of closed down, and I just so happened to look into the monitor, and I saw the uh, second plane go into the towers, and there was a lot of a lot of motion around the, um, the t- you know, this was their main, their main um, business, um, a venue, and you know, it wasn't on the airport. It was, it was, in, it was in the middle of town, and everybody was just looking up at the TV, watching it, the towers, both of them. And I was, I mean, we, everyone was in shock, and I spent the rest of the day watching the, um, the coverage, and it's something you know sticks in your mind. Um, so I just want to take a quick moment. Let's have a moment of silence for those who lost their lives in 9-11 and those who came to their, to their rescue or tried to save as many people and for those who have, you know, suffered since because of um, the consequences of, you know, running into a burning building filled with airplane fuel. So just one quick moment of silence. Okay. So opening up the show, well, it's all about football. Let's just be honest. We we started out on Thursday night. The NFL season started. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Atlanta Falcons. And there's question marks about both teams. The magic wand that Nick Foles had during the playoffs apparently is gone. Now, they won the game, but if he has to play more than two, three weeks, the Eagles are in trouble. And then there's Matt Ryan. Like him and Julio Brown, or excuse me, Julio Jones, they have to find a way to get it done in the red zone. And part of that's on Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. So both teams have questions that need to be answered, along with a host of other teams. Interesting stat. All seven 
new head coaches in the NFL took it on the chin this weekend. So, and then it culminated last night with John Gruden getting run right out of uh, Oakland Stadium in the uh, second half. They played a good first half. And then he comes into the press conference, and the first thing he says is, we need a pass rusher. He had one. You know, it made no sense to me. Um, you know, I understand what the Raiders are trying to do. They gave $100 million to Gruden to be the face of the franchise. They gave $100 million to Derek Carr because he's the quarterback, and that's the basis. But you let a generational pass rusher get out the door, and um, your fans aren't really holding you accountable for it right now, but maybe in six weeks that's going to change because they showed no pass rush. And basically, during camp, when they asked him about this, you know, you know, of course, earlier this week he said, you know, Cleo uh, Mack didn't want to be here, but you didn't even meet the guy. You didn't even take the time to call the guy up. Let's have lunch. Let's talk about this. Where's your mindset? No. You, because you got this $100 million and they've been telling you that you are, um, you know, the new John Madden, you didn't take the time out to appease your best player. You thought that Arden Key was going to be the answer. And no disrespect to Arden Key. I like that kid. I thought he should have gotten drafted higher, but he's not Khalil Mack, and they're going to find that out the hard way. Uh, Los Angeles Rams, on the flip side, paid Aaron Donald. Now, it was a little easier to pay Aaron Donald because you got a quarterback on his rookie contract, so you have less money attached to him than what the Raiders do to Derek Carr. But the decision to pay Derek Carr as early as you did is on you. So, other other takes from week one. I want to personally apologize to Aaron Rodgers. I thought you were left for dead. I cut the TV off and went to sleep. And then, of course, I wake up the next morning and the Packers at one. <laughs> I want to personally apologize. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Forgive me, because I thought it was over. Now, there's some question about his availability for week two, but the mere fact that he was able to come back in the game and toss the game-winning touchdown speaks volumes about how much of a freak he is. Also, the um, Chicago Bears... Matt Nagy did a great job of um, making Mr. Trubisky look better than I think he is right now. But I think in Mr. Trubisky's um, defense, I think the best thing for him right now is Matt Nagy. He will get better, definitely get better. Um, the Buffalo Bills. Somebody needs to make me understand what they were thinking. Okay, I get that you don't want to play Josh Allen. But could you explain to me why you traded A.J. McCarron? The first bliss back is, why did you even trade Tyrod Taylor? You could have kept Tyrod Taylor 
and have him teach Josh Allen the game. He did lead you to the playoffs last year. But it seems like to me these coaches and these GMs are thinking it's them. That's a, that's a saying of my friend, good friend of mine, uh, James Boyd in Houston has. They think it's them. Well, and then what's crazy is they've got John Gruden quoted as saying it's a player's league. But you treated the best player on your team like crap. Same thing with the Bills. The guy that led you to the playoffs. What kind of love did you show him? You didn't show him any love. <laughs> you whisked him right out of town. As if Nathan Peterman was the answer. I mean, come on. This guy came in in his first start, and he didn't even last a half. That's just straight stubbornness. And you know what? They deserve to get fired for that. Um, Russell Wilson is um, basically got a whole franchise on his back. <laughs> he didn't have much help. Uh, you know, uh, Cam Newton. Cam Newton is is a great player, but Whoever his stylist is, they need to go take 15 minutes and stand in the corner because they can do a better job than that. What is that guy wearing in those press conferences? If I were the Carolina Panthers, this is just a, a side note thought, I would try and um, trade Christian McCaffrey for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you got a generational freak at quarterback. There's never been a guy like him. Le'Veon Bell is a better version of Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it gives you a chance to elevate your franchise to possibly Super Bowl contention. Because you play in the toughest division. Um, Atlanta, New Orleans, both are showing you that they're going to try and make a run. At the ring. Although, after week one, it seems like somebody forgot to tell uh, New Orleans defense that they're um, in contention for the Super Bowl because that was ridiculous. 40 points at home, 48 points at home, come on. Um, Atlanta will, um, I think Atlanta will be okay. You know, um, Steve Sarkeesian still got some. Some bugs to to figure out, but I think as a whole, defensively and offensively, they're solid. Um, well, the Patriots are the Patriots. One of the things that was um, evident was that Tom Brady is starting to feel a little less confident about most of his targets. And he's starting to rely, I think, way too much on Gronk. Um, that pass he threw to Gronk caught, that can't keep going on. I mean, I know Gronk is a super player, but um, over the course of a 16-game season, that ends bad more than it does good. Uh, they lost Jeremy Hill for the season. He got with a knee injury. Um, Sonny Michelle has been nicked up. They uh, they lost Isaiah Wynn before the season, the preseason even, or 
the second preseason game, and they've got a patchwork offensive line. Yeesh. But they seem to keep on chugging. And then they're not, you know, they're basically playing in the MAC as far as divisions. I mean, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the, um, the Bills are going to put up much of a fight. Although, I must admit, last night, Sam Donald looked rather impressive. I mean, he showed a lot of resilience. Drawing a pick on his first pass ever, and then coming back and leading that team to an incredible third quarter. Pretty impressive. Listen, we're going to take a break and we'll come back. We're going to finish talking NFL. We're going to segue into college football. I want to get down with Early Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Now is the time for a road trip for an outdoor-centered summer vacation to chase the fishing bite. So this week, The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're talking summer angling adventures. Joining us will be Dave Mercer, host of Dave Mercer's Facts of Fishing, plus J.P. DeRose from Breaking Boundaries, and Cat Daddy. Jim and Trav's Summer Angling Adventures is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Oh, Voice America Nation, we're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm Kelvin Harris, uh, holding it down for the Venerable Hurley Brown, who is... Uh, Make, trying to make America great again with the um, with the Merritt Island Mustangs. We were talking about the NFL when I got off. One of the things that I want to talk about is um, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, there's a lot of Cowboy fans out there, so I guess we got to go ahead and talk about them. One of the things I see is at some point, and I've been saying this for a while, and I'm going to say it again to all you Cowboy friends, until Jerry Jones puts Jimmy Johnson in that ring of honor, it's not going to go well. It's going to be bad year after bad year after bad year. 
And one of the things that was um, brought out in this first week is that Dak Prescott can't carry your ball club. And as much as I hate to say this, they don't have a number one receiver. And the reason why I say that is because there's a University of Miami guy there, Alan Hearns, who got a nice little contract, but he wasn't able to live up, in my opinion, to the contract week one. So they've got to come up with some type of um, some type of receiver situation. They don't have a number one receiver. They don't have a safety valve for your, the quarterback because Jason Witten has retired. And if I were any team playing the Dallas Cowboys, I would stack the deck and not allow Ezekiel Elliott to beat us. Because I don't think Zach, Zach Prescott can do it with his arm. So you got a situation you got a situation where your quarterback he isn't a world beater. He's not Russell. It's not Russell Wilson. Let's just be honest. He's a good game manager, a better than average game manager, makes smart decisions, can move around with his feet. And in a pinch, I think he can come up with a big play. But to ask him to be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or, God forbid, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, that's not who he is. So the problem that the Cowboys have is they don't have a playmaking wide receiver. They don't have a safety valve tight end. Um, the offensive line is not bad. It's not what it was a few years ago. And then your defense is suspect. So you got a lot of holes to fill. And your division has gotten better. I mean, realistically, the Giants are better. The Redskins are better. <laughs> the Eagles are the Eagles. Um, you know, looking at that division, if I had to pick right now, I would have the Cowboys last. Yes, last. Um, Adrian Peterson provides some stability in the running game for the Redskins. You saw Saquon Barkley. Man, he's going to be a superstar. Now, there is a train of thought out there that the Jets probably should have drafted Sam Donald because he's 21 years of age. And... In the long run, he's going to be a better option than Eli. But they're not looking at it that way. They're going, they're going for broke. They feel like they've got two, three more years of Eli, and they're going to try and win a championship. They've got the, arguably one of the two or three best receivers in the league. They've got a legitimate running game. And they got a pretty decent defense. So all of the um, elements are there except for one. Can't, they can't protect the guy. I mean, another University of Miami guy, I hate to talk about, Eric Flowers. Hey. Oh. Yeah, another, another University of Miami guy that I hate to talk about is Eric Flowers. He is 
I just I have no words. Uh, look, I'm not going to say the guy doesn't work in the offseason because from what I understand, he does. But he's just not getting better. Um, two coaching staffs went from left to right. But then, hold on. It's not like Nate Solder was a world beater on Sunday. So, they've got some serious problems. Serious problems on the offensive line. Will Hernandez eventually, I think, will be Pro Bowl material at left guard. They, um, they don't show up at the offensive line. Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Eli Manning. It doesn't matter. They're not going to do anything. But I think eventually during the season it will get solved. So when you look at the pecking order, Carson Wentz will be back by week four for the Eagles. It just doesn't look good for the Cowboys. And then if you're Green Bay right now, you got to be nervous. Because if Aaron Rodgers is out, for any length of time. Now, here's another quarterback situation I don't understand. You get rid of Brett Hundley. You got time invested in Brett Hundley. Um, he didn't do that bad of a job. He understands your offense. But you trade him away and bring in Deshaun Kaiser, who, honestly, Brian Kelly was correct. He probably should have not left Notre Dame. He's probably still trying to figure out Cleveland's offense. And now you br- you trade for him right before camp and bring him in um, to be your backup quarterback. Well, if Aaron Rodgers is out any length of time, you tank your season. Because I think Britt Hundley was going to be in the process of making a trend, you know, a jump because he, you know, the bullets had been fired at him. Then you got the Chicago Bears. I think they'll be improved. They definitely are improved now on defense because now Akeem Hicks has somebody to take the pressure off him. And so inside he becomes a um a force, Indomitian Sue like force. Uh my pick out of that division to win is Minnesota. Minnesota looked as good as they did last year on defense. And give Dalvin Cook a couple of weeks to get right back into it. He's going to be deadly. They got a great receiving core with Adam Thielen and uh, Stephon Diggs. And Kirk Cousins looks right at home in their offense. Put them at the top right now. They look the best out of all the contenders in the NFC. Um Right now, after week one, I would say Minnesota's got the got the advantage. Um, looking, Minnesota and the Rams. The Rams' big move was to sign Aaron Donald, and I think you're going to see the two the difference in the two California teams, the Raiders and the Rams, in that one team invested in their freak superstar, and the other team punted. And it's going to come back to haunt them. Um, in their division, you got the Chargers, you got the Chiefs, and the Broncos, and all three of them looked good in the first week. Um, the Chargers, defensively, I think, are probably the best 
in that division, even though Von Miller had a great game. Von Miller looked exceptional. Um, he is um, he's an X factor. You know, very few offensive linemen can compete against him. And the thing that's interesting is when you play against the Broncos with him and Nick Chubb, you have to make a decision. Do you double and chip him or do you play it straight up? I mean, obviously, whatever week one opponent did didn't work because he was, what, two, two, three sacks, a forced fumble. I mean, he was just a dog when it counted. The Chargers are finally healthy on defense. Don't sleep on them. I mean, I think if they can get any running game, they're going to be tough because Phillip Rivers is a is a model of consistency. He's an excellent quarterback who who's just needs some just needs some stable weapons. Keenan Allen, if he can stay healthy, it's going to make the Chargers a tough team to beat. But right now, yeah, after Week One, I got the Vikings and the Rams in the AFC in the NFC Championship game, and oh, it's a toss up right now in the AFC. Patriots and Patriots probably playing themselves. The Steelers. I really believe the decision to not give Le'Veon Bell the long-term contract is going to haunt them this season. Instead of them all being focused on winning a, a Super Bowl, you've got dissension in the locker room. you got teammates lying to themselves saying, we can do whatever we need to do with James Conner. And hey, I don't want to disrespect James Conner because i got a lot of respect for that young man. But he ain't Le'Veon Bell. They should have just paid the man. If you look at the numbers, if they'd have paid him two years ago, he's going to make $29 million over these next uh, this year and last year. And that's guaranteed. Plus the money he makes next year and the year before. If they would have just gave him... The fourteen and a half million dollars that they got to pay him now, over a five-year, four-year deal with, she what, say forty million guaranteed, they wouldn't be having these these distractions on their team. They would be focused as a whole, as a fist, on trying to win a championship. But the Steelers have a format that they go by, and I can't I can't get mad at them. It's worked for them for all these years. They've only had three head coaches. They got what five, six, net, six world titles, five world titles. So six, excuse me. Bill Kyle won one. Mike Tomlin won one. So whatever they're doing has worked for them in the past. But the thing about it is, they might have cost themselves a championship because um, Jacksonville's defense looks pretty stout. And yeah, that's who I look at. Right now it'd be the Patriots and the uh Jaguars in the AFC championship. And they act, they coincidentally played each other this week. Um Leonard Fournette's a question mark, but I think from what he was uh telling his teammates he will show up this week. And it's gonna be interesting to see how the Patriots handle the pass rush of the uh of the Jaguars. All right, when we come back, we're going to get into college football and get down with Hurley Brown.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Voice of America family, we're back here on the Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm your uh, host today, Kelvin Harris. Uh... Southern in for Hurley Brown. I'm the Nick Foles of Internet Radio. We're going to take us all the way to the Super Bowl. Now, let's talk about week two of college football. Well, Alabama looked very good again. As much as it pains me to say that, they looked extremely good. Um, I know a lot of people are saying that the decision to go with the tour kid kind of messed up as far as Jalen Hurts is concerned, but sitting in their situation, looking at the situation we have at the University of Miami where we have all those weapons and our quarterback has played so far over the last uh, five, six games, I'm with Nick Saban on this uh, situation. Um, I would have done the same thing. That kid has uh, got number one pick written all over him. Uh, no disrespect to Jalen Hurts. Play your three, four games, shut it down, transfer, graduate, transfer, and help someone else's program. I mean, if you're Alabama, the least you can do is to let this kid go and um, further his career somewhere else. Now, um, Ohio State, Ohio State looked really well. They, they played really well. They looked really good the other day. Uh, Dwayne Haskins is a different type of quarterback at Ohio State used to have him, but he is actually technically a professional quarterback. J.T. Barrett was a good college player. Wasn't a quarterback. Um, Kyler Murray looked good for Oklahoma. I got to give him uh, credit. He um, he decided to uh, 
put off completely going to baseball after he got that $9 million from the A's, and he wanted to, you know, look, he's been bouncing around schools. He hasn't gotten a chance to really fully play full-time, and he's taking advantage of his uh, opportunity this year. Um, after the first uh, two weeks, my four teams in would be, it'd be tough. I'd watch a Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. Because I think Alabama will probably beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Therefore, that would, you know, that would, uh, cut one of them out of it because Clemson is probably not going to lose in the regular season. And if we don't beat them in the ACC championship game, they'll be 13 and 0, so they'll be in there. Ohio State and Oklahoma. Ohio State looks like it's going to run through the uh, Big Ten right now because Michigan State, Lost to Arizona State. Michigan has already lost to Notre Dame and shown flaws. And Penn State, very questionable. Wisconsin, I don't think they have the athletes to beat Ohio State. Um, they got all five offensive linemen returning, and this running back, Jonathan Taylor, now, you know, you hear uh, experts talk about, oh, this guy is a lot different than all the other Wisconsin running backs that have come out. That remains to be seen at the next level, but to be honest with you, he's a really good college running back. And they have a, they have a good scheme. Um, Oklahoma really doesn't have any competition in the big, big 12. It's, it's really a joke, to be honest with you. I'm still trying to figure out why they haven't added Houston to that conference. Um, looking at it, in reality, Houston and SMU should be a part, or if you don't want SMU, Colorado State, but Houston definitely should be a part of the conference. I mean, it makes no sense. And by the way, Ed Oliver, you know he's 275 pounds. He is um, balling out. I think his weight is going to cost him in the draft. I don't think he'll be the first pick because um, as much – uh, dynamite as he shows as a, uh, as a player, his energy and his, his get off and his hustle. I just think at 275, he gets worn down in the NFL. Eventually he'll get up to 290, but right now, you know, scheme specific. But he'll still be a top 10 pick, I think. Um, on the West Coast, Stanford, they, um, they continue to do it. Year after year after year with the same formula. And, um, you know, JT Daniels is going to be a spectacular quarterback, but he, um, he's still young, made some mistakes, made some throws that he shouldn't have made, and, um, cost him the game. Now, the team on the West Coast that, um, I think is a sleeper is Oregon. And I say that because I like their quarterback, Justin Herbert, 6'5, 230. They make all the throws, has a little bit of mobility, uh, and they they continue to have uh, quick players out there. Looks like Chip Kelly has got a little bit more work to do. They went to uh, Oklahoma and got baptized. Um, speaking of somebody that got baptized, uh, Kevin Sumlin, returning to uh, Houston with his Arizona Wildcats, wasn't pretty. Um I need somebody to explain to me how you can have 42 freshmen on a team. He's got 73 underclassmen, 42 freshmen, 
31 sophomores. How did that happen in this, in this day and age? Team is extremely young. Um, shouts out to Tom Edwards. Uh, that receiver he has is special. Probably going to be a first-round draft pick. They managed to find a way to beat Michigan State. You know, Herm, a lot of people are, are betting against him. But I think, you know, he's going he's gonna to get it done. He's going to turn that program around. Uh, one of the key hires he had was Antonio Pierce, who was the head coach at Long Beach Poly, who played with the Giants for so many years. You know, um, also was an analyst on ESPN. He left that job to go back to uh, the West Coast and coach. And what he does is he gives um, gives uh, Herm an insight into the Southern California high school um, programs, you know. And then you got uh, old coach of mine, Al Luganville, who was my coach in the World League in Amsterdam, whose son is Tommy Luganville, the analyst for uh, ESPN. The one thing I'll say about Al is he's an exceptional um talent evaluator and that's the one thing that's going on for um that's going on with um with with her. He's got some good veteran people around him and the kids and the program have bought into what he's selling and I think they're gonna have a good year. I just Chip Kelly and Kevin Sumlin could be long years for both. Washington is still the best team on the West Coast. Uh, fortunately, they won't be in the uh, playoffs this year. That loss to Auburn is going to cost them. And I don't think they're going to run the table. I think they'll lose at least one game in the Pac-12. Um, another guy that's going to have an interesting year is Scott Frost. They lost to Colorado. They also lost their quarterback, Blake Martinez, who was actually playing pretty good. I, um, It's going to take them a season or two to... Um, to implement his system. But if I'm Nebraska and I'm the Nebraska fan base, I applaud the administration for bringing that guy back because he knows how to win and he understands the Nebraska culture. I think at some point it's going to work out. Um, SEC-wise, um, I'm not saying this because they beat us and it's not sour grapes. It's reality. I love Mr. Koto. He was one of my coaches at the University of Miami. But personally, I think LSU is fool's goal right now. They're not the 11th best team in the country. Now, did they outplay us two weeks ago? Yes, they did. We uh, we had some issues, and uh, we may have solved them this week with a, a slump buster game with Savannah State. But I looked at LSU, and their offense wasn't any more explosive against Southeastern Louisiana than it was against us. That's not a good sign. Now, defensively, I gotta, I gotta back up and I gotta pay respects to David Randall because I really, really, really wasn't a big David Randall fan. That I said this last week, but looking at the scheme he put together with the, um, with the changes that Coach Ogeron made with the defensive line coaching staff, bringing in Anthony Johnson and um, letting go of a guy that was a hero of a, a mentor of his and Pete Jenkins, and changing the. Um, uh, the philosophy up front, uh, along with Dave Aranda's uh, mastery of, of blitzes, defensively they're as good as anyone in the SEC. Uh, they have uh, personnel on par with Georgia. Um, they don't have a pass rusher. They lost their uh, pass rusher in the game against us, but 
the defense is going to keep them in games. Like they got Auburn this week, and even though Auburn's looked pretty good this first couple of weeks, Jerry Stidham has really looked good. That's a toss-up game because Auburn relies on running the football. I mean, they throw the ball deep, they run the football. That's how they open up the deep pass. And the one thing LSU has been able to do over the years is stop the run and they can cover. They got they got two good cover corners this year. Um, you know, Christian Fulton, Greedy Williams, and then they got a third guy that's a true freshman, Kelvin Joseph. They're not bad corners. Um, I just don't see that that receiver on Auburn that's going to be that much of a difference maker in that um it'll stick out. It's going to be a, a nip and tuck game. And I'm probably going to go with Auburn for the simple fact that LSU's kicking game, even though the dude came in, two freshmen came in against us and had a great game, he's still a two freshman. And it's one thing to kick season opener when you're up, you got, you know, you're already on third base. But when the game's on the line, that's something different. So I'm interested to see that. And then, you know, let's talk ACC. Clemson is the class of the league, no doubt. And we didn't look good in week one, we being the University of Miami. But I'm going to say this now. We will both be back in the ACC championship game. And this year the game will be a lot closer. I'm not saying we're going to win. I do think that at some point we're going to switch quarterbacks. Um, the young fella for us, Nicosi Perry, looked really good. We have – Two potential first-round draft picks at wide receiver in Jeff Thomas and Armand Richards, and a future first-round pick in two freshman Brevin Jordan at tight end. Not to mention, I mean, uncanny skill position players. Defense is solid. Clemson kind of took me aback with how many points they gave up against A&M. Now, for those of you at Florida State who was happy to see Jimbo Fisher leave, you might want to back that up right now because. You guys are the embarrassment right now as they of Florida with that backpack. You got a backpack, don't even have an FSU logo on it. So now you got a situation where you're two weeks into the Willie Taggart regime and you're starting to see some eyebrows raised and some questioning of some of the things he does. I will say this. Give it a minute. I'm not particularly sold on Willie Taggart as a great coach, but the one thing I'd give this guy is he respects the tradition and legacy of the, the Florida State Seminoles. I mean, he brought Mickey Andrews back to help with the defense. Uh, he kept Odell Higgins around, who was um, a mainstay. So basically, what we need to do is we need to give him a couple of weeks to learn their offense. Uh, I'll say this. DeAndre Francois, in my opinion, is the best quarterback in the country. If he would have been with Jimbo Fisher this year, he would, you know, I would feel a little bit more nervous about our FSU game in a few weeks because Jimbo Fisher, he had Kellen Mond looking like a a respectable passing quarterback, and that guy looked terrible last year as a thrower. So Jimbo Fisher, despite his personality conflicts in, in Tallahassee, you gotta you got to tip your hat to him because he was an exceptional quarterback developer. Um, I think him, Bob Petrino, and uh, Lane Kiffin are the three best play callers in college football. Now, of course, Lane Kiffin is playing with a half deck, you know, in Florida Atlantic. They beat the teams in their in their conference that they, they play. 
And, not, you know, they show week one that they definitely ain't ready for big boy ball because Oklahoma abused them. But, but I think at some point he's going to get another shot at a big power five school, and he's going he's gonna to represent. Uh, Central Florida and South Florida just coasting along. South Florida beats Georgia Tech. Um, Charlie Strong has continued what Willie Taggart started. So, no, the one thing in the state of Florida is you've got five really good programs, Florida, Florida State, Miami, South Florida, and then there's Central Florida who hadn't lost a regular season game or game period in, uh, we'll, we'll see, was it, uh, what, 12, 13, 14. This is the 16th straight game they've won. That's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Uh, they haven't lost a beat under Josh Heupel. Actually, if you look at their offense, it's sped up under Josh Heupel. And the defense has become more solid under a former teammate of mine, Randy Shannon, who, you know, they just don't, you know, pay, you know, you know, matador defense anymore. They play legitimate defense with solid, sound concepts. Now, let's just be real. They play in a bubblegum conference. You know, it's them. In South Florida and it's Houston. Let's not get beside ourselves. But they are a quality program. But like I said, my four teams in this, you know, after week two, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, I want to end by talking about this U.S. Open. Because the way that finished, the, I'm talking about the women's final, that was an ugly situation for, for, for the tennis game as a whole. So we come back, we're going to talk about that on the Get Down with Eddie Brown. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is the Get Down with Hurley Brown. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to thegetdownwithhurleybrown at gmail.com. 
Now back to the show. Boys America family, to get down with Hurley Brown. I'm uh, Kelvin Harris, the Nick Foles of Internet Radio, taking us to the Super Bowl in the absence of Carson Wentz. I want to close by talking about what happened on Saturday afternoon. You know, in the midst of watching college football, and I'll say this, I like tennis. I remember growing up, uh, we had a little tennis court in my neighborhood, and I'd go play a little bit. You know, I thought it was, you know, I had, you know, mobility. I could move around. Back then, I had a, a wooden racket. <laughs> Shows you how old I am. And I've I've always liked tennis. Uh, I like watching McEnroe and Connors and, uh, you know, Yvonne Lindo, Bjorn Borg. I'm sure I'm aged now. Um, Pete Sampras. I mean, there's been a plethora of good male players. But it was always something about the females, like Chrissy Everett and Martina Navratilova, their rivalry. You know what I'm saying? Then Martina Hingis came on, and she was a little bit more finesseful. Monica Sellis. But then when the, the Williams sisters showed up, it became must-see TV for me, especially when Serena got good. And right now, outside of football and basketball, you know, your hurricane sports, the one thing that I stopped my day for is Tiger Woods on a golf course, Serena Williams on a tennis court, especially in a major. And what I saw on Saturday was despicable. Listen, um, don't take my word for it. Mary Jo Fernandez, uh, Chrissy Everett, all of the analysts on ESPN's tennis coverage said that this was the first time they'd ever seen something like this in a major. And on top of that, to the greatest player in the history of women's tennis. Now, for those of you who didn't see, let's let's recap, okay? First things first, let's take our um, head off to Naomi Osaka, who even, I'm, you know, me and my friend were talking about this. I don't know why they're saying she, you know, they're giving her this, you know, her mother is Japanese. Her father is Haitian-American. They live in Florida. She's an American. Just my opinion. Now, her mom probably wants her to keep the Japanese heritage. Her mom looks like a cool lady. But even she, on social media, has made it a point to, to people to let them know, I've got American side to me. My father is Haitian. I live in Florida. So, now, with that being said, she had only played Serena one time before this, and it was in a tournament, I believe, in Florida. One of the first tournaments that Serena played, and uh, Serena was out of shape, and she beat her. Okay, let's fast forward. She had won the Indian Wells tournament, and she was doing pretty good, and then she hit a slump. The last two, three weeks before this tournament, she hadn't been playing good. She caught fire, U.S. Open. Now, I'll say this. This was the dream scenario for her. Um, this is her idol, sitting up in the stands, nosebleed section, watching Serena win the championships. Her father and mother took a similar approach to her. And here's the most important part that led to her playing as well as she did with uh, against Serena. Her coach is... Uh, the guy Sasha, who used to be, I don't, I can't say his last name. He's just Sasha, <laughs> who was Serena Williams' longtime hitting partner. 
Okay, so this is the equivalent to you getting Bill Belichick's playbook with notes included. You're talking about a guy who knows every nook and cranny of Serena's game, and not just on the court, but her mindset. And this girl is one of the young, new, heavy hitters. I mean, she had serves up in the 117, 118 mile an hour range. So she's one of the few young women on the tour that can match Serena shot for shot, baseline to baseline. And she moves so much better than she used to. She's only 20 years old. Serena, it was evident, was caught up in the moment. And um, Naomi just played a great game, had a great match. Now, towards the end, well, the first thing is when the when Serena got the first warning about coaching, everyone, everyone who is a part of the tennis uh, team for ESPN said that Every coach coaches. And when they interviewed Serena's coach, he admitted that he was coaching, but she didn't see it. He said that. And he said something else that was interesting. He said, hey, everybody's coaching. And then he named, he named coaches that do it. You know, specifically Rafael Nadal's coach. Now, you know, uh, Mary Jo Fernandez, Chris Everett, they all said it. Um, Pam Shriver, they all said it. And, yeah, all of a sudden, this guy has the audacity to not only hit it with that, but then the fine that cost her the match because it cost her a game. I um, I just hope that tennis can recover from this, especially the U.S. Open, because I, it's, it's my favorite tournament, that in Wimbledon. But I just think that they need to find a way to mend defenses with Serena because I can see her not coming back. I just had to get it off my chest. At the end of the show, I want to thank you listeners out there um, for tuning in to Get Down with Hurley Brown. I'm going to see if Hurley's coming back next week. Had a couple of guests who are going to be on. They're on the East Coast. I want to say be safe because they were in the, they were in the Carolina, Virginia area, and they had to evacuate, which is ironic. Um, Monta Leach and uh, my man Will Lowry. I hope things are going good for you. Be safe. Uh, Jay DeLay, my man, he has a lot of friends in Charlotte. Um, but we're going to close now. Uh, also, before I close, hey, don't uh, don't forget to check me and another one of my former teammates out, Ron McNeil on the U Podcast, all you University of Miami fans out there. U Podcast, we drop every Friday, every Monday. Um, we just did a um, recap of the Savannah State game. <laughs> yeah, well... Until next week, we're going we're gonna to talk about football again. Um, it's that time of year. And then we'll also get into baseball because we're getting close to the pennant time. So until next week, it's all about the U. Canes for life. Enough said. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to The Get Down with Hurley Brown. The coach wants you to join us again next week, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll have another great show ready to roll next week.